Hello there, and welcome to the 67th episode of Suck My Fanfic. The 67th oh, annual Suck My Fanfic episode. Yeah, yeah, it's taken us 67 years to get to this point. Uh, I started when I was negative, insert age here, and now I am at this age that I'm currently. It's the current year, and I'm at this current age, and here I am. But hello, my name is Alex. And I'm Ryan. And Okay, you can sound a little more enthusiastic about it, but that's fine. And uh, we're your hosts of this illustrious, uh, elusive fan fiction podcast, but we're happy to be here, and we hope you're happy to be listening. All one of you that stuck around, what's up, Henry? Does that sound right to you? I don't know. I'm asking him the moment he started to drink something, so. Yeah, it sounds right. That sounds right by our numbers. I, I, I've, I've forgotten what our fireside login is, so I've just been, you know. Well, it's up. like, you know, we're not, we're not doing it for numbers, you know, so it's like. Here's the thing, and I've, I'm, I'll admit that now. I am, and I have failed. Oh, shit. Well, if you were doing it for numbers, we we should have been way more on it a lot longer. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I wasn't clear. I was doing it for the num- these numbers, these exact numbers. For 67? Or what do you mean? Like the numbers that we're cheating in terms of listenership. Oh, the listenership. So that, that's, well, that's, that's what I was aiming for. Yeah. Sort of like an army of three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. Army of well, two, fine. some might say, for Xbox. Yeah, that was sort of the reference I was making, but mm-hmm. a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, here we are, and we're a podcast, and we talk about fan fiction, and we've talked about it for a few years now, and boy, oh boy, I hope you've been listening for a few years now. If you haven't, if you just found us, then Saul, dude. Shut it off. You don't deserve yeah, to be here. Yeah. We don't want you here. Yeah, <laughs> Don't get sucked into this. It's 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 not good. Uh, it's not very Christianly of you to be here, but here you are, so happy. <laughs> okay, that one made my uh, right laugh. Uh do we have an opening topic? We have an opening topic. We're going to talk about something very quickly, and then we have what we were told at the very beginning of our podcast was everyone's favorite format of episode, and then we never did it again. We never did it again. We were told do, these were great, do these all the time, and we said, we've heard you, and you can fuck yourself. Another part of my, we, my numbers strategy. <laughs> is to not give the audience called, anything that they want. It's called anti-market research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I've heard about that. Um, no wonder we suck. But yeah, so that's that's what we're doing. We're we're finally going to do the Drabble Fest Part Three. First time we did it, we did seven. Second time we did it, we did eight. And we don't have that many for you today. Uh, we were going to break our record again, but we realized that that record almost broke us last time, and that's sort of why we never went back to it. Just eight is a lot. Right. We've done some uh, growth over over the past uh, you know the past episodes since then, and we're we're really focused on taking care of ourselves, doing what feels yep. good. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we want to push ourselves. We want to deliver a good product and. Um, and honestly, I've had these for a while. I kind of forget. Now, I'm looking through them now. I kind of forget exactly yeah. why I picked them, but I've had them for a little bit. So I hope they all. It's like we we could do 11 or we could do 9. We could do 10. We do whatever. But at what cost? Exactly. You know? It's like at what cost are we doing that? I know. And I don't. We'd be recording hmm. for six hours as opposed to five and a half. Yeah, so, yeah. And I don't know if I can botch that extra 30 minutes. So, uh, well, here we go. Opening topic. The title of the article. It's from the Mary Sue. So we all know that. Not only is this Mining Ryan's favorite website, but it's everyone's, and it gives us the best information. Some reviews think, quote, turning red is cringe for its depiction of 13-year-olds as if we all, as if we weren't all writing self-insert fic at that age. And then the subtitle is, and don't get me started on pretending to be a Power Ranger at the playground. Okay, first off, Brianna Lawrence, that's fucking different. Oh, I don't even know why that comparison even gets thrown in there in the title. Brianna Lor- Lawrence? That sounds like Brie Larson. That sounds like an alternate universe Brie Larson. Oh, shit. Maybe it's just Brie Larson's pseudonym. So so the gist of it is that uh, the main character writes fan fiction or something? Oh, yeah. I think we should just say right off the bat, um, neither of us have seen this movie. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. I, so we're- I just want to say, I think it's cool, and I think this is like a... 
this is set in like the early 2000s or something from what i understand right it's not set in like the 80s or like the 60s it's set in like oh, okay, late 90s yeah. early 2000s so as these get more and more as because mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen is you know coming of age stories are going to be set in that time frame more i think fan fiction yeah. is going to be a bigger bigger presence like it's this it thing we all kind of experienced yep in an isolated way but we all you know what i mean we all found it individually so I, well didn't jonah hill do like a 90s coming of age movie yeah, yeah. like he directed and wrote or whatever yeah that skateboard yeah. one so the 90s are done mm. we skip right over those jonah hill yeah, we're at the 2000s kind of blew it so we just right to the well 2000s. we lady bird you and I lady about bird is too. the ultimate like late is like 99 2000 2002 coming of age i that's a great movie i love that movie i haven't seen it i haven't seen it's it great. very movie illiterate i'll talk to you about Weird, obscure Soviet films, because I've been watching those recently, but I won't talk to you about this. Not even weird, obscure. Everyone knows them. Very normy Soviet films, but uh, great. So, yeah, we haven't seen this movie. Neither of us have. And we're going to talk about it with authority. And I, I can't wait to do so. The only, the, literally, the only thing I can say that I, context that I know of is, A, I thought the commercials looked dumb. I'm just going to be honest with you. I thought they looked dumb. And B, uh, I, with all the nonsense, don't need to get into it, but with nonsense of people not wanting to use Disney anymore, I saw someone make the argument that uh, they can't have their kids like go and watch Disney stuff because they depict fan fiction, and I was like, "Lamal, because I, like, I don't know of fan fiction." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because because turning red shows people doing fan fiction. This like, I think it was like a congressperson somewhere across the country was like, "That's inappropriate." Nice. It's like, all right, bro, sweet. Yeah, I hope whatever. it's like D and D in the eighties, devil worshippers. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I, I think. It's they're like making the same thing. So here we are. Turning Red is now available to stream on Disney Plus, and I've been enjoying watching everyone's reactions to a movie that captures so much of my adolescent years that I kind of wonder if they stumbled onto one of my Mead composition notebooks. From doodling your crush in your notebook, striking a pose with your friends in the middle of the sidewalk, and having to explain why expensive ass concert tickets are so totally worth it, this movie fully embraces what it means to be thirteen. For adults like me, it's a chance to think back to those early years and get a little bit flustered about how embarrassing you were. That being said, when I think about me at 13, I realize that there's something so pure and honest about enjoying your life so much that you truly don't care how silly you look. Of course, there are the parts you don't want certain people to see. I say as someone who wrote fanfic in her father's basement, which is why Turning Red's unapologetic depiction of teenage friend groups is so wholesome. No one at home knew about my fanfic notebook, but at school with friends? Yeah, that was quite a time to be alive. This is why it's so frustrating to see some reviewers say that this movie is somehow not a true depiction of how beautifully cringe we were at 13. And then someone, the, there's like a title and a tweet that's like, gasp, a main character who draws fan fiction. And I guess someone but She on draws Twitter, it. She doesn't write it. She draws. I think she writes it too. Again, I haven't seen this fucking movie. And it's really stupid for us to talk about it. Um, someone reviewed it on some platform. It doesn't even say what platform. And it said, this story is very targeted to a specific audience. And if you don't fall in that category, this film was not for you. I had to turn it off after 10 minutes after I saw the main character drawing fan fiction as a 13-year-old. It left me uncomfortable that a 13-year-old was doing this in a Pixar film. Overall, I would rather watch Cars 2. First off, why would anyone rather watch Cars 2 <laughs> in any context? Cars 2 is like, everyone's like, what's the best and worst Pixar? What's the best and worst movie ever? Cars 2 is in the worst movies ever category. And Cars 1 might be in the the best ever category. Yeah, Cars 1 is good. And Cars 2 it's is really good. literally one of the worst things ever made. Why would you thump? What, what, <laughs> so what people hear fan fiction, they immediately jump to yeah. smut. SpongeBob and Bill Clinton. I don't know. In the Oval yeah. Office favors being traded okay but like to be fair we have read that like i think almost exactly i i i feel like everything has that wing every form of media has that wing of it it's unfair to characterize how much stuff have you sifted through that's not like that at all 
probably. I don't know. Much, a, lot, yeah, a lot, actually. A lot of well, it probably is very sexual. But I, I, well, I also I go out of my fair. way to find. I go out of my way to find weirder things. You go out of your way to find more legitimate things. Mm-hmm. To be fair, like, and I do it to bother you. <laughs> That's the point. And you, you go. You like. You like. Actually, look for things you'd want to read, and I look for things that you wouldn't want to read. Is the point. I, I just also think it's curious. I would never think that something so innocuous as a kid writing fan fiction would like set people off like i'm surprised yeah that that's even a like regardless yeah. you, know, you might think it's like weird and it's like oh yeah the power rangers are scissoring the you know powerpuff girls or whatever but well that sound don't knock that one. <laughs> i mean that's i i read that directly from my uh my journal of uh future story ideas yeah of course i'm gonna yeah. pitch that one actually next week please do but well it sounds like that with the edgy cw powerpuff girls it might actually happen all right well, let's get the rowdy rough boys in there in the town is yeah. cole sprouse available oh, no um, oh no it'd be dylan you know it'd be Dylan. I don't know which one's which. Um, but Dylan's the one who sent his his wang to someone and it, it like got public. Oh, okay, so everyone's already it's already been tested. It's already been crowd tested and people seem to like it. So yeah, let's get it. Cole's the one that everyone still likes, and he's like the he's kind of like the femboy, not femboy, unintimidating but cute still. But the other and one, Dylan's everyone's like already the seen one. the wang and they've more or less accepted it. And and yeah, and he's he's like played a serial killer in a movie, so they're like, oh, he's the edgier. Twin. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like I guess everyone just jumps right to that. I, I didn't even think I didn't know that that would offend. I thought it would just be like I felt like fan fiction was so yeah. random and under the radar that it wouldn't even register. Like they'd have other problems. Mm-hmm. I'm just and that's, you know, I, I I would say it's weird because I know like you know we're kind of getting we're around the age where people are having kids, right? For the most part, I know some people with some kids. Yeah, I just turned sixty eight. Um, you just turned sixty eight. Well, yeah, because this is the sixty seventh episode, and it's like you know what you were doing at that age. You know what I mean? And it's like maybe you weren't reading fanfic, but like you at least know what it is. It's very hard for me to believe that someone with a child in the age demographic that would go and see this movie doesn't know what this is and is still really weirded out by it. Like our parents, sure. Like people in our parents' age range, sure. I get it. Didn't grow up with the internet. Barely been on the internet for like contextually speaking with the rest of their lives. But like, I don't know. Our parents are not in the same age demographic as the parents that are having kids right now and taking their kids to see this movie. So it'd be weird that they'd get weirded out by it. Do you think it's because their experience with fan fiction was always like only the weird nerds read fan fiction? So they're projecting that it's like a taboo. You know, they the only time that hang on a second. Yep. The only yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm gonna need you to cease that. Come here. Come here. I'll hold you for a bit. Come on. Come here, dickhead. Come on. Oh, fuck. Please let me pick you up. Hey. Hey, there he is. He smells like shit. <laughs> um, that, the, that, that it's, a ta- it's essentially a taboo, is what I'm trying to say. That the only way they've engaged with fan fiction is through the weird kid at school or whatever, and the jokes that they've told, so they really don't have any experience with it. Well, it, it's funny that you bring that up, and I like that you bring that point up, because if we're thinking about it, and we're talking about it a little bit, it would make a lot of sense that people who might not have any history with it are thinking about George McFly from Back to the Future. You know what I mean? Like that, if we're talking about George Martin's idea of fanfic, where it's like, I made Underman, and like he would submit it to a magazine, because technically that was fan fiction, that is fan fiction. Yeah, maybe they do think it is a, a certain type of person or a certain type of thing. And they know about, you know, they, they or they at least have an inkling of an idea about Spock v. Kirk weird shit. Not Spock x Kirk, whatever the fuck it is. Um, 
weird stuff. I don't know. I don't know. It's, you're, thinking of, you're thinking question. of Spock v. Kirk, Dawn of Justice, the new Star Trek movie. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Because um, it's not like they're pumping out a new fucking Star Trek show every other week, and nobody is watching a single goddamn one of them at all. <laughs> I've heard Picard's um, pretty good. But yeah, I, that's interesting. Like, maybe this is the first... It's like the first time that fan fiction has maybe ever been portrayed in a way that's not super weird sexual outcast behavior yeah like you say george yeah. mcfly yeah like isn't there something with him and like being obsessed yeah. with like what, what is it because like that's well he remember he writes the sci-fi book and that's like the big deal and there's the he, he's reading all the the magazines and he, he is sort of that like stereotypical like quote-unquote 50s nerd mm -hmm. and but then we realize oh he's successful as long as he just got the girl which maybe isn't the best messaging but it's the messaging as long as he held and, her down uh, and didn't take no for an answer but it's like it's been getting dunked on for yeah. so many years, mm -hmm. and people are like, "Hey, that's that's something we dunk on. We we don't like that." Yeah, how are we not dunking on this anymore? And I guess it would make sense with Disney's desire to like make movies for broader audiences or make movies for audiences they wouldn't traditionally make movies for. So then they would kind of tap into this. Yeah, I mean, also um, it's I'll like read on, I'll the, read on. the writing. Think about like the people who are writing this movie. If they're our yeah. age and they're truly writing from the perspective of someone who grew up in that time, I can't speak to say R, I'm 68, but, you know, they yeah. probably had experiences writing fan fiction. They're putting themselves in it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is just one example of the kind of reviews the movie has been getting. That's not the overall response as many people adore the film, but when a movie dares to star a cast who isn't white, you can expect some kind of I can't relate rhetoric, even if we've seen plenty of white leads, buttheads with their parents and Philanopic with numerous AUs about their crush. I haven't seen a movie. Don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It just sounds like that person. The, the the race of of people has nothing to do with the review they left. So I don't know why they bring that up. But there are other reviews that they are going to show. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get to them there. Let's see. <laughs> maybe we'll see some vitriolic, yeah, I just, despicable I, reviews. I'm I'm not surprised by the Mary Sue to immediately jump to that. But it's just like I at least have the evidence in the reviews you're quoting or you're citing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and also. That doesn't make any sense logically because you would you would basically be making the argument somewhere that someone expects fan fiction to only be done by people who aren't white. That doesn't make any no, fucking no, sense. No, what, what they're about? saying is that I think it's like an Asian American family that is the main characters of this. It's like, oh yeah, like you go down to the movie theater and you see a bunch of Asian Americans on screen. You can't go on Twitter and start saying how much you hate to see representation. So you just arbitrarily pick fan fiction and that's your outlet. well we all know the we all know the stereotypes of of asians and fan fiction well it's not even that they could have been anything they could have been aliens and <laughs> I if i i those darn so you're aliens. saying that it just they would grasp at anything well they're just like yeah oh what are they doing that's weird that's what weird people do weird people subtext you know what i'm talking about right you know, yeah you know what i'm whatever. talking about right okay I, I think that's what they're saying Okay. Well, so as of the the tweet, it had a 95 tomato meter fresh critic score and 66% audience score, which is still like a pretty well-reviewed movie. That's very good. Yeah, especially in Rotten Tomatoes. That place is terrible. This story, okay, I, I read that one already. Not appropriate for kids. It teaches kids that it is okay to disobey parents if it is important to the child. Okay, I mean, if that's like legitimate criticism and messaging that someone felt, then maybe that's important. Um, I don't know. This is not what Pixar is about. <clears throat> I can only see a very small group of people actually relating to this movie that feels so conditioned by current political trends. It looses, dude, reread your work, all potential to succeed as a transcendental film. Awesome animation, though. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, this guy wanted transcendence. <laughs> it needed to be a transcendentalist <clears throat> experience. Nice explosions, though. Yeah, good explosions. <laughs> like them explosions. How should I start off my review of Transformers 3? <laughs> it wasn't very transcendental. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I were to put this on my Thoreau scale between <laughs> Conwald and Pond and Michael Bay's Transformer Threes, this is decidedly the latter. Definitely not made for kids. It glorifies quote finding yourself and following friends at the expense of listening to your parents' guidance. Totally inappropriate for children. Preteens who are not living in modern, quote, progressive cults of ideas, end quote, will find the topics awkward and uncomfortable. Maybe Pixar should decide if they want to continue making charming and enduring family favorites or edgy progressive adult films and stop sitting on the fence. <laughs> I bet, I bet if, right, you watch, whatever. if you watch this, do you think you would come away saying that that was one edgy film? I bet this is like the most rounded, cornered, like soft, pudgy film I've ever seen. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny because I'm looking at the guy who, who posted these reviews. And it's like, I want to think of a way to describe him and roast him, but I, I, it's, his face is so, I, I'm making fun of someone for their looks, never mind. It's just, he looks like a character from a movie, and I'm trying to figure out the exact movie, but of course, he just looks like the type of person that would post these reviews. Right. That like, like would screenshot the reviews and put them to Twitter. Ah. That's what I mean by post reviews. Okay. Like when someone enters the want- transfer portal, so they type it out on their notes app and then screenshot it and tweet it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I want to address this particular, this is back to the Mary Sue, Pearl Clutching review that is concerned about a 13-year-old, quote, drawing fan fiction, because honestly, one of my favorite things about the movie is the fact that it has such ordinary, relatable teenage issues as its driving force. Well, okay, I'm not even done with this paragraph, but at the beginning, when you draw, you're not, you're not drawing your own fucking original works. I don't know, like, in that sense, is everything that you draw a fan fiction? Yeah, and you, that's not right. No, oh, I'm sorry. My bad, George Martin. We should take but, every kid saying? to court who's ever drawn Superman. Who's drawn? Yeah, who's drawn Superman? Because I know that with Jack Kirby, he didn't really ever go to like a formal like school, or at least in the beginning, he didn't. What he did is he just was like tracing comic strips, and then he did developed his own style. And I mean, it's fucking Jack Kirby. Yeah, he's a scumbag. No, oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. Tracing and stealing other people's work by tracing them on a piece of paper and then burning them. I'm sure. That's not to say I don't like it when otherworldly powers are symbolism for puberty and the teenage experience, which, well, this movie is that too. I just appreciate that the climax in Turning Red is a concert, and the horrifying moment between mother and daughter is, shit, she found my notebook. The day my father discovered my live journal was the worst day of my life, and I was in college at the time. The idea of, quote, drawing fanfiction, being some adult taboo and not a thing you've been unknowingly doing your whole life is so wild to me. Does fanfiction have adult circles? Oh yes, absolutely. But it is also a thing we've been doing since we inserted ourselves into the fantastical worlds we'd watch and read about. Again, yes. Growing up, I didn't realize that writing bonkers crossovers where the ladies of Mortal Kombat became champions of love and justice had a name. I didn't know that drawing Goku a thousand times over had a name. I didn't know that pretending to be a Power Ranger had a name. Trini, if you're serious, was my go-to pick. My friends and I just did these things unaware that I had a label. That it had a label. We just knew that at the playground we were Power Rangers or VR Troopers. Okay, well now now I don't like when people put labels on things that other people don't put labels on. Yeah. It's like, and I'm yeah. not trying to sound like it's a non-committal like you're gonna boyfriend. Wa- you're not going to like drive past a, a playground with a bunch of kids and you're like, look at all that fan fiction out there. Yeah, especially like I think part of participating in something like fan fiction is knowingly participating in something like fan fiction. Well, I think fan fiction – I might get roasted for this. Let's do I it. I might get roasted. I feel like fan fiction in that it is specifically called fiction and it has this title, capital F fan fiction, is written. Oh, I can agree with that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, like, yeah. in a way, it's make-believe. Like, you're writing as, as much as anything is make-believe. Yeah. You're make-believing or you're self-inserting. Self-insert is not this thing that exists within capital F fan fiction, the writing format. Yeah. It's it's just like an like em, empathic experience or a imaginative 
mm-hmm. exercise. You put yourself Agreed. in that experience. You know, that's just it's pretty far fetched to be like, wow, we were playing on the yeah. What are you going to invent like a <laughs> wholly original concept? Exactly. Yeah. And the teachers are there monitoring it, and they're like, damn, look at the story structures. Wow. Like, wow. Crazy. <laughs> Well, they're, they're sitting there and they're like they're like talking to the teachers around the, and they're like Friday. Te- Friday seems to be the day new mom. It's gonna it's gonna be <laughs> oh good. Oh my god, I can't wait for Friday. Friday is gonna. Oh my yeah, Chelsea's gonna meet up with Brad on the slide. It's uh, it's gonna be wild, dude. It's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. Oh no, I'll skip like my oh, I'm on lunch. I'll skip my lunch. I'm coming. I'll out. skip lunch. I don't need to eat that day. That's just it's ridiculous to say that. And it's also like imagine if if you're talking to someone and they're like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm daydreaming. And they're like, what about? And they're like, oh, I had this fight. With one of my friends, and I'm just like thinking about how things could have gone differently. They're like, "Oh, so you're writing narrative fiction in your head?" And you're like, "No, I'm just thinking about how things could have gone differently." And they're like, "Sounds like you're writing narrative fiction." Well, like, no, well, I'm not. Here, just to double back on the article, I, I would be curious. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. I know nothing about the film, um, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, I'd be curious if they actually call it fan fiction in the film. Probably, if they're like, "Oh, I'm making fan fiction," I- I'd just be curious. If, if people are just projecting it, it's like, oh, she's drawing oh, pictures of herself with famous people and they're all hanging out like their friends. Like mm-hmm. that is not in necessarily capital F fan fiction. And uh, I'm very protective of capital F fan fiction. Everything else is weird and dumb and I hate it. So, of course, um, that's how I feel. Do we care to hear about Brianna's most cringiest thing she wrote at 13? No, I don't care. In some awkward attempt to care. relate to the, the movie, the, aka make the thing about her? Yeah, no, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Last right, thing right. I want to say about this is that the, uh, Brie Larson, whoever wrote it, talked about, uh, a pearl clutching review. Was that in regards, or was that in reference rather to the tweet? I believe. And are these, no, no, no. That was in reference. That, so basically, these aren't tweets, right? The, the quote no, reviews no, are not tweets. Right? Some some dude screenshot reviews from Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, they're from Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, because I was yeah. just, I thought they were saying they were saying tweets were reviews. Those those are reactions. Uh, I just want that to be clear. Uh, that's a, that's a good point. one sentence is not a review. There yeah, used to be people whose literal job was to review. It was well. That's our job. Yeah, I mean, but we're not getting paid. We're not getting paid the big bucks. You know, we're, I thought we got I thought we got paid in fanfic clout. Yeah, but you can't take that to a Walmart. You can't get that at a Walmart Omega. Speak for yourself. Oh, Walmart Omega. <laughs> good point. Good point. My bad. That's the guy. I just sent Ryan the photo of the guy who posted the reviews, like who screenshot the reviews. All right, my, you've made a huge mistake because now my computer is attempting to pull up the internet. <laughs> Fuck. Can you, can you text it to me? Maybe I'll do. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, here we go. I just opened Microsoft Edge. <laughs> oh, dude, you're Microsoft Edging right now? <laughs> I, no, I don't want to be. It just did it. <laughs> Edge didn't shut down correctly last time. Yeah, I bet it didn't. Ah, oh, this guy looks like um, <laughs> this guy looks like uh, Jared Leto with like auburn hair. Yeah. yeah, that's what he looks like. He looks like he looks like if Mel Brooks cast Skeletor in Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> that's funny. I was literally going to use that description for uh for. For something else later. Oh, good. Robin Hood, Mel Gibson cast Skeletor in Robin Hood Men in Tights. No, I was gonna say it's like if uh, Bradley Cooper was cast in Men in Tights. You, you know, you know what it's like. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, it's like whoever you can you can like totally flavor any description you want by saying they're cast in Men in Tights. In Men in Tights, yeah, of course. Um, wonderful. Okay, uh, well, I guess we'll just jump right into these fix. Yeah. and I'm going to read my first one. Did you want to do a little break for the the, the outro? Oh, okay. Hey, you can just play it over that. I feel like us laughing and having a good time about Skeletor and Men in Tights is good. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. I'll I'll, I'll edit it and make it sound good. Um, uh oh, audacity froze for me. Fuck. Wait, wait, wait. It's, I'm, still think, I'm still thinking. Titties. <laughs> oh man, the Mary Sue is so fucking terrible. <laughs> They're so terrible, bro. Dude, honestly, I'll I'll text you. You just have to see the fucking. I'll, I'll have to screenshot it because it's 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 amazing. It's utterly amazing. Just her. All right, I'm back. The, I'm back. It, it, it picked everything up in that time. Okay, good. Ah, um, damn it! It froze. Me... It froze again. Let me just let's see what those. You're right. You're good. I'll text this one to you so I don't fucking freeze your computer again and make it blow up. Uh, Windows very recently right, did, or Microsoft back, back to recording. Okay, Microsoft recently did a thing where you can connect your your phone to it. Nice. And uh, like you can connect your phone to the the yeah the OS, and it's it's actually really sweet. That's actually how I text you a lot. Um, when I'm like working and stuff, I'll just go on my computer and. You think that works? I know I know Apple's had it forever. Right, right. But, but... do you think I could like connect an iPhone? Because my computer is is Windows. I hate Mac computers. Um, I think you could. I think you could actually I'll try it. It's like PC Link or something. You should look into. Oh it. my God, Jesus Christ! This is like the kind of person whose identity is going to fucking Disney on the weekends. Jesus, literally, Christ, bro. bro. Yes, yes. She's the one who wrote that fucking thing. That, that picture, that course, picture is her cut out. Like on the other side, it's like fucking like a some sad sack in a goofy costume holding a lightsaber, being like, "Fucking kill me!" in the stage. Track. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's it's not even that good, you know. This like, person got dressed bed. up to come to Disney. Fuck yeah, bro. That. <laughs> also, like, why the fuck do you think? Just the first three things in her bio. Why the fuck do you think people care? Why the fuck do you think people give a shit? That doesn't have anything to do with you writing. That's well, it has that, nothing I, to do. That's why it's like they're not. They don't care. Uh, they don't want to be a writer. They don't give a shit about no. writing about. They just want to be a personality like us. Yes, we give a shit. We care about fan fiction. We don't want to just. Be I actually do on the internet. <laughs> I mean, it feels stupid to say that, but like, I'm sorry that I actually care about a cultural thing. Well, I know I'm not sorry. That's my job is to care about cultural things, but. Okay, first story. You ready? Yep. I will tell you the the fandom, and then there is a punchline. So the fandom is Elric of Mel Nibone by Michael Moorcock. Nice. Did I mention what was I stoked on last time? What did I say I was stoked on? Do you remember? Yes, you were stoked on uh, Moorcock, and I said you should on be Elric, stoked yeah. on. I could use some less cock if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. think you said that, but you I should did. have it. Just, I just came up with yeah. it. Well, that's good. So I'm doing an Elric uh, story. You ready? Yeah. Should, wait, should I explain Elric? Nah. It, do people care? Nah. Is that part of this thing? No, 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 no. If I listen to the last episode, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, they're smart okay. enough. They know what's up. Yeah. The albino sat down next to the man who seemed ordinary. He was puzzled but relieved. His eyes fell on the black blade once more, watching the runes. So, the ordinary man started, you looked pretty intent on killing me. It was the sword, Stormbringer. He hungers for souls and blood. But you stopped, the man pressed. It wasn't as if he could get away. This little pocket universe was a prison. The blade said you'd been killed so many times that it was worthless, the albino told him. At least, it was worth something, Sean Bean answered at last. Oh, no. <laughs> That's it. That's the story. Wait, wait. So Sean Bean said at least it was worth something? Yeah. What was it worth? I, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 usually when you still tell stories, I like slowly vice in on my attention and that one was so short i couldn't like fully grab it in my mind I was so like, they meet in this they meet in a pocket universe Elric's sword wants to kill him and then when it goes to like when it like sniffs out his soul 
It's like, oh, this guy's been killed so many times in so many other fantasy oh, universes. There's okay. no reason to kill him in this one. Oh. Well, okay. Yes. That's nice. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah, that is yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, he died in Lord of the Rings, died in Game of Thrones. I'm sure he's died in a bunch of other shit. Yeah, died in National Treasure. He did die in National Treasure, didn't he? He is a National Treasure. Yes, he did. So, yes, that's my Elric uh, <laughs> fic. I'm sure, like, I'm sure Elric fics are either, like, one word like that or, like, 600,000 words. The only one I could find was fucking huge. That that wasn't this. It was, like, massive. And, yeah, the ty- I guess the type of person to be super into Elric would also be super into writing, like, a six million word <laughs> thing about it. So, that, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's great. You should read it. Fuck you. That's great. Cool. Um, all right. It's on to you now. All right. So, I'm going to – I'm just going to read. I'm just going to start reading, Okay. It was the night of the 94th Academy Awards, an event that <laughs> <laughs> fuck, an event that was considered to be a celebration of cinema's greatest achievements and was called the most prestigious award show in pop culture history. Before it all went downhill in the late 2010s, thanks to its decline in viewership from the fact that Hollywood had been using it to promote political and social statements, which turned people off. Not that it mattered to them anyway. Chris Rock had come on stage to announce the winner of the Best Documentary Feature Award where he performed a brief monologue filled with jokes. Rock then made a joke about Javier Bardem and his wife, Penelope Cruz, before receiving comparable nominations at the same ceremony. The joke was that Bardem would be praying that Will Smith could win Best Actor if Cruz lost her award. He then turned around and looked at Will Smith and his wife, Jada Pickett-Smith, who were seated together at the front of the audience. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it, all right? Chris Rock joked. The audience laughed at Rock's joke. Sure, it wasn't very funny or particularly creative, but he didn't insult her or anything. He just compared her to Demi Moore from the 1996 film G.I. Jane. Will smiled and laughed at the joke, while Jada was very displeased by it. It's, that was, that was a nice one, okay? I'm out here. Chris continued his monologue before he saw Smith approaching him on stage. Uh Uh-oh, here comes Richard. (laughs) Rock continued laughing as Smith reached the stage and approached him to confront him face to face. Smith then moved his right hand to slap Rock for his hurtful comments towards his wife, since she was suffering from alopecia, an autoimmune disease in which bald spots were formed due to physiological stress. But before he could slap him, a man, clad in red and black spandex suit with a red mask with two black circular spots around his eyes, two katanas on his belt, a be- on his back, a belt with two holster oh, pistols, God and a small device attached to his right hand, grabbed oh, him by the wrist. Surprised. The audience gasped as what they had just seen, and Rock had a puzzled look on his face. Whoa, easy there, buddy. I wouldn't do that if I were you, the man in red and black spandex said to Will. Wait, who the fuck are you? Wills yelled just as he let go of the man's grasp. Allow me to introduce myself, the man said. I'm Wade Wilson, but you can call me Deadpool, and I'm here to stop you from embarrassing yourself. Embarrass myself? That motherfucker just made fun of my wife, Smith screamed, sounding much like a complaining toddler. Mm -hmm. Deadpool laughed at Will's comments as he found the whole situation completely absurd. Yo, what's funny, man? You don't under... Zip it, Prince. Deadpool cut off Smith before he could say anything. You know, it's funny that you would allow your wife to cheat on you, yet you can't take it when someone jokes about her. Uncle Phil would be very disappointed. (laughs) I'm not finished yet, Will, Deadpool said, gesturing his three fingers to shut up. The audience was lost about what exactly was going on. Now, if you ever try to interrupt me again... I'm going to beat you up so bad, you're going to be the only guy in heaven with a wheelchair. Deadpool trailed off, and the <laughs> audience gasped at shock by Deadpool's remark towards Will. 
Uh, okay, what's going on? Chris Rock asked, confused about the situation. You think slapping this poor man would make anyone think you're defending your wife? Please, as if anybody would buy that, <laughs> Wade stated. If only you had shown that attitude when August Alsina was cheating on you. Because Jada is such a toxic, manipulative bitch, you wouldn't. She's just tarnishing your reputation. And yet you can even see it. You can't even see it. Because you're blinded by your love for her. You just let yourself become her lapdog. Hey, don't talk about me and my wife like that, Smith protested. Oh, I'm so sorry. Was I too harsh on your lovely wife? Deadpool sarcastically remarked. <laughs> Perhaps I'm a misogynist. We should definitely let more narcissistic, self-serving, toxic women take control of our lives without even questioning them. Tell me, how would you feel if Chris Rock made a joke about you and your wife laughed at it? The audience was very confused about Deadpool lecturing Will, and the name August Alsina was lost on them. <laughs> Do you know who August Alsina is? That's Jaden's friend that she cheated with, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah for like months uh, like uh, months she was entangled with please please yeah oh they got now really, they got to be really good friends oh now you're scared you better start thinking before you embarrass yourself over a stupid joke young man deadpool taunted jeez and i thought sewing my mouth shut was bad but this managed to piss me off more so if you don't go back to your seat i'm gonna shoot you in the balls the audience gasped in horror at deadpool's threat okay fine smith said as he went back to his seat clearly scared by deadpool's threats no wonder people don't watch these shows nowadays, Deadpool remarked. Looks like my work is done here. So long, suckers. And with that, Deadpool pushed the button on his device and disappeared without a trace. The audience was still lost on what had happened on stage, and Chris Rock was disbelieved by these events. Well, uh, that was the greatest night in television history, Chris said in a sense of confusion. Oh, Christ. Chris then continued with presenting the Best Documentary Feature Award to Summer of Soul. Thanks to these events, Will Smith lost the Best Actor Award to Andrew Garfield for his performance in Tick, Tick, Boom. That would never happen that's anyway. That's not how that works. That would never happen yeah, anyway. That's not how that works, but thank you. <laughs> if, 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 that is, if that was how it worked, he wouldn't have won for King Richard. Yeah. yeah. But no, this is obviously, I'm just saying, like, even if, Will Smith was, like, removed from the top position. I wouldn't go to Andrew Garfield. If no. told him anything, Smith should think about his actions twice before embarrassing himself for his wife's, quote, approval. Unable to handle Jada's toxicity, Will divorced her a couple months later and gained sole custody of their children. The There's end. no custody. They're both over 18. <laughs> the end. Um, yeah, what do you think? What do you think about this? Uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. Obviously, I picked that. Uh, when I was, I've been going a lot over the Chris Rock thing, you know, yeah, at of first course. I was really, really mad at, at, at Will Smith. And then I was really, really mad at Chris Rock. And then I just got really, really mad at myself for caring. And now I'm here. Yeah. Um, that was terrible. Uh, I honestly thought you were going to like before Deadpool showed up, I thought you were just going to say that I, I honestly thought the joke of this was going to be you saying that Chris Rock made the joke, Will Smith laughed at it, and then Chris Rock gave the award and then went off stage. <laughs> that and it. that was going to be the joke because that it just didn't happen. <laughs> and that would have been really funny. I was like, okay, I'm ready for this. Hell yeah. And then that wasn't the joke. The joke is that it did happen or he still tried to slap it. And then <laughs> I just – I feel like I get so annoyed at, at like Deadpool having to be in everything or like – Dude, no. Because he's, if anybody was be- going to solve that, it wasn't Denzel. It wasn't going to be Bradley Cooper for some It reason, wasn't going to be Tyler Perry. It was going to be Deadpool. Now, you did hear that not only Denzel came and spoke to him, but also Tyler Perry did? Yep. Did you also hear recently Tyler Perry admitted that sometimes when he's in bed, he uses the Medea voice? <laughs> Is that what he told Will? No, I don't know who he told, but apparently recently it came out that when he's, like, having sex, he's like, Oh, Lord! You gotta keep Medea's name out of your fucking, <laughs> your fucking mouth. mouth! Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Keep your wife's name out of my mouth. I'm really sorry. 
Um, were you actually mad? I just remember I was like sitting on my computer, like working, and then out of nowhere, I saw like this news thing pop up, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And I like was like, "Oh, okay." No. And then it just became a thing. I was mad because I watched ninety percent of the Oscars, oh, and then I went to bed. <laughs> yeah. Literally, they were like, "And up next, Chris Rock presents best documents." Like, I don't want to see that. Chris Rock's the worst. And then I went to bed, yeah. and then I woke up, and you were like, "Dude, check this out." <laughs> I forgot so about that. Yeah, it got me in a, and I was so mad. I was so mad yeah. at Will Smith for doing that after I went uh, to bed. Not yeah, exactly. So. Mad well, it was, at him. And I it was so funny because Chris Rock for waiting until I went to bed to make Will Smith mad to make a joke. Yeah, I, uh, I, you were texting me results, and I was like, oh, cool. And then like, and then I was like, oh, I guess I'll kind of check up on it. I think that's when I saw the thing about Will Smith, and I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, and that was still when people were like, was that fake? That was weird. Um, and also I wanted to make the joke that for all of what just happened, they, uh, the Academy only gave Wade Wilson a, a five-year um, banning from the Academy Awards. Wade Wilson. Um, yeah, yeah. Deadpool? They only gave dead. They only gave Deadpool a, a five-year ban from the Academy, um, so he will be able to return, um, but only in a few years. Oh, so when Deadpool three comes out, it's good. I also would have liked it better if it had been exactly what happened, but it would have been starring the zebra from Madagascar, the fish from Shark Tale, and the hippo from Madagascar. <laughs> that, yeah, that'd be great. That'd if be you great. had literally just done the exact thing, like read exactly what happened, but with those characters in it, I would have also thought that was hilarious. So, um, anything else about it? No, that's it. Yeah, fuck this. Let's move on. Okay, um, the next one is a fandom that we have covered before. It was one of the best fics we've read. Uh, and I don't think we're going to get that with this one, but we'll see. Here we go. To the glistening eastern sea, if you will go to the wandering shore, take no compass. The tide comes to gather all things to the east. Do not think to outrun the sea and its eagerness for the breathless gold of the horizon. The thousand greens and gray blues of its gown are always dancing, never still long enough to catch. Here are the waves which swallow all rains and laugh under all storms. With a heart so deep and full, you could no more grasp it than you could grasp, grasp salt water. For to love the sea is to love a thing you cannot hold. To the great western wood. If you will go to the riddling woods, take fire, which is a bane of wood and ice alike. There are no straight paths along the west. The forest wears many faces, different under every sun. Many are the days you might wander before you found a familiar one again, lost among the unmapped secrets of its hollows, the green-eyed shadows which do not blink, the slow-blooded trees which hide their softness from the brittling hands of the winter, for even as they rot in the close and whispering darkness, their branches are grasping, hungry for the light. To the radiant southern sun, if you will go to the singing fields, take the sweat of your back and your brow, the plains of the south are ever thirsting. There you may walk under the dry and steady gaze of the sun, where the wind hums warmly through winds, wide fields of rye, where the land opens its thick, rich beauty, and the world eats it, its fill. Yearly is this basket filled, seed by seed, the long murmur of its scythed wheat, the gleaming promise of its apples, the reaching sweetness of its flowers, which are forever dying and forever blooming again. To the clear northern sky, if you will go to the mountains, take a prayer and nothing else. Go, go not to the north with pride, nor with wrath, nor with war, for the mountains with their vast and arcing uh, stillness will crush you with no more than a sigh. There are no others to shoulder the sky, so boundless and blue you could break your back just by looking up at it. All strong towers are built of their flesh. The world sits heavy on the soft dust of them, sleeping in their tender, trembling grip. Uh, so this was about Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's called Cardinal Points, about Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, it's about the Pevensies. Um, and the summary is a crown for each point of the compass. If you will go wandering the shore, take no compass, the tide comes to gather things to the east, and so on and so forth. This stuff is, like, that's a really good example of, like, that's beautifully written. It's, a, it's like, what I want to hear. Like, it's got this great yep. sense of, like, scale and environment and adventure. Yep. And it's got a beautiful, like, tone and voice. And, like, the language is very nice. And um, 
but it would never like if you were to watch a movie, they would not break down. They would not no. have a character spiel that. Yeah, you know, it's like this is like almost like, and it, and if you were writing a book and you wanted to like get to the point, you wouldn't necessarily have them go on. I mean, maybe if that was intricate to the plot, but all this stuff that people come up with is you don't really want to make a whole plot around it. It's like if. It's like in a video game, you would find a scrap of paper on a shelf, and yeah. you would say this, and you'd be like, this that's is the perfect so description dope. for this. This is the yep. dopest thing. Like, that's what this is, and that's why Agreed. I think this is like, that's like, that's why I think like fan fiction at its best. Not necessarily when it's like a 900,000 Elric epic, yeah. as good as it yeah, may exactly. be. It's like this, like quick hits. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I love that. That's great. Yeah. And this reminds me, I, I recently had to do something with writing about landscape. I like this as like landscape writing, I think this is really cool. Um, so yeah, it was about Narnia. This also makes me think to myself, why is Amazon spending over a billion dollars to get Lord of the Rings when that's actually already been adapted perfectly um, and people already love it? Why don't they try to find something else? And I don't know. I, I feel like the Narnia of Disney had a really strong start and then it didn't obviously go the way they wanted it to. And I think Disney still owns the rights to it. Yeah, I think that's, I think they still but it's own like, it. It's like, yeah, it's like, fuck, we need a good Narnia adaptation. Like, you could do a whole Narnia multiverse. Fuck you, whatever. I, fuck you. I think I um, think, um, I think, think Narnia, like, they were like, let's wait a while and then try to drop this and make it, like, Kids Lord of the Rings. And then hopefully everyone will forget that it's, like, Christian. And then the, the yeah. weekend they released it, like, every, like, church youth group was like, we're going to go see Narnia. And it didn't make them happy. Narnia. And it didn't make people who were not there for the religious symbolism happy. Yeah. Honestly, they just need to lean into it. Like, let Mel Gibson direct Chronicles yeah. of Narnia. Well, there's the thing is, is like if you, it, I feel like if you're not trying to subvert it or hide it, if you, if it's just on the face of it, like yeah, this has Christian underpinnings. The guy that wrote it was a devout and outward Christian. Like, come and see it. Don't come and see it. I think plenty of people would go see it if it's done well. I mean, Tolkien was also a devout Catholic. Whatever. Um, so that's a Narnia one. I, I also, I just think like it's not that even in the movie, it's not like they were like subverting it and they were like, oh yeah, Aslan's like getting yeah. on or whatever. It's just like they could have probably leaned in. It's they should just. I think they should just go overt, go into. It. I think agreed. I mean, even as someone who's not particularly like interested in that, I would, yeah. I would probably see it. And be like, well, this is you know true I'd to the text. It. it probably would yeah. lend itself to a to like kind of a feeling of authenticity if they just went for it. Uh, agreed. But they'll never do that. So, um, and also Anthony Bourdain's dead. So what's the point? That would be. I mean, honestly, yeah. Think about that show on Disney Plus. Because they own Nat Geo. That's the tragedy of Anthony oh. Bourdain dying. Is he could have actually that could have actually happened. This could have been a thing. Yeah, could have really happened. It was April third, twenty twenty two, the day of the Oscars. It was almost Chris <laughs> Rock's. Oh man, did I shoot? Did I pick? <laughs> okay, sorry. It was almost Chris Rock's turn to go on stage. He was nervous as hell and just wanted to get everything over with. Up next, we have Chris Rock. Chris took a deep breath, stepping onto the stage and leaving all his anxiousness behind him. He waved at an audience who cheered back at him. A few moments later. You know who's got the <laughs> hardest job tonight? Chris Rock grinned. Javier Bardem and his wife are both nominated. Now if she loses, he can't win. The audience loved that one. He's praying that Will Smith wins. Like, oh lord. What came next was what changed the history of the world. <laughs> yep. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it, all right? Will chuckled, glancing at Jada, who was rolling her eyes. The couple exchanged a few words out of earshot. That was a nice one, he continued. Oh, here comes Richard. Uh-oh. He laughed at Will Smith as he came onto the stage, but there was a look in his eyes that Chris couldn't recognize until he was slapped in the face. It burned. The slap was full of anger. Oh, wow, Chris groaned. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. 
Please look staged because it wasn't, and now I'm embarrassed, Chris Rock thought. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth, Will growled once he got back to his seat. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? Now the next part is what really changed the world forever. Will Smith came back onto the stage. Chris already raising his arms in defense. Will didn't say anything. Just got closer. Please, I'm sorry, Chris stuttered. I don't mean it. He shut his eyes, waiting for another slap or punch or whatever Will wanted. But nothing happened. The older man opened his eyes, met with a pair of brown eyes filled with lust? And before Chris could even lift an eyebrow, (laughs) Will Smith crashed their lips together, sparking a flame. Chris kissed back, obviously, and the crowd collectively gasped. Someone in the crowd cheered, yelling, Gay rights! Woo! (laughs) Take that, Florida! Some people cheered. Others gasped. Some even left the room, but Chris and Will weren't even startled. Will began to undress Chris in front of the crowd. People screamed, (laughs) but the couple didn't care. Jada watched in horror as her husband began to give Chris's dick kitten licks. He sucked hard in front of the crowd, loving the attention. (laughs) Fuck, Will, uh, what are you even doing? Chris moaned, throwing his head back. Will couldn't reply, so he just looked up at Chris and continued sucking. Once his throat was cum-filled, Will stood up, wiped his lips, and began to undress. God knows that the cameramen and hosts were doing at this time. I want you on all fours, Chris, Will growled. Chris <laughs> nodded and leaped onto the floor, making sure that he was sideways so the crowd could get a few profile view. Of course, of course. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest night in television history, Will Smith yelled at <laughs> the crowd. <laughs> Chris whimpered as he glanced back at Will, who was half naked. He decided to keep the suit on, but the pants were gone. Who knew Will Smith had such a big dick? Who knew Chris Rock was such a slut? Who knew what the fuck was going on? Uh, Will's tip slowly entered Chris. Uh, Will Smith, your dick is fat. Chris moaned. Jada, you've been gatekeeping. <laughs> they glanced at the crowd where people were filming and Jada was crying. When Will finally bottomed out, Chris begged him to move around, to destroy him in front of everyone. <laughs> you like it when they see you like this? Will snarled. You like being a mess for me? Chris, uh, quick question. Yes. Bottomed out? Is that like when he goes all the way in? I don't know what yeah, that means. Yeah, balls deep. When he's ballsy. Okay, I just never heard that term before. Continue. Chris nodded, quickly interrupted by Will's thrusting, harsh and rapid. Bones, cries, whispers, and more sexual noises were released into the audience by the two. Chris felt Will brush past his his prostate just barely. (laughs) There, Will, he cried, knees trembling. Will attacked the spot repeatedly, causing Chris to cry, gulp, and whine. He was a complete mess at this point. Then, Will slapped him, again, this time on his ass. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Chris groaned, pushing his ass back for more, which he received. Will slapped, and Chris cried for out for more. The two continued like this for about five minutes. Soon, when Will was officially balls deep in Chris, he came, painting Chris's insides white like Antarctica. Of course, Chris wouldn't last very long if Will had just nutted in him, so he too released onto the stage, coating the surface. Oh, do, two nuts for for Chris? No, Will nutted, and that triggered Chris. No, but, but Chris nutted earlier in Will's mouth. Oh, that's true. Yeah, That's okay. True. Okay, good for him. It's a big night. Hey, yeah, good for him. It's the greatest hey, night in television history. It's the greatest night in television history, yeah. That was awesome, wasn't it, Chris? Will chuckled, pulling out of him. Chris turned red, finally realizing where they were and what they had just done. Humiliation slapped him as hard as Will had done earlier. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> We're over, Jada, who said somehow teleported onto the stage, said, I can't believe this. Trust me, neither can I, Chris laughed, standing up and grabbing his pants. Jada glared at them at him, then turned and threw her wedding ring at Will. Well, he paused and turned to Chris, got on one knee. No way. Chris Rock, will you make <laughs> me the happiest man alive and marry me? Hell yeah. And so he was. The end. Uh, I think the only thing I could have made that better is if the fish from Shark Tale uh, <laughs> fucked the zebra from Madagascar in the butt. Um, what in the fuck, dude? No, uh, I, I was forced to write this, I swear. Parentheses. You know who you are. Heart failure, bitch. Anyways, enjoy. That's the Heart failure? <laughs> like, whoever what? forced this person to write this, they wish heart failure upon them. Or maybe they're suffering from heart failure and this is their make-a-wish. No, it's like one of the tags, one of the tags on this. This is yeah. called um, the 2022 Oscars Grand Twist by Total Not Cody. Totally Not Cody. Um, the tag is... Better my, Cody. My friends made me do this. Yeah, you know, it was, you know it was Cody. It's definitely Cody, yeah. Uh, it was funny. It was really funny. It was better than the first one. Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, I'll also... I'll just, since we are obviously not going to stop talking about this, I have a feeling the third one's going to be like that as well. Um, I'm hoping the third one... Involves Tupac Shakur. Do you know about all that with Jada? Yeah, yeah. She was entangled with him before she met Will, right? Yeah, and the only reason that she and Will got married were because she got pregnant. And, like, they were trying to, I think, make her mom happy or something like that by getting married. So she, like, didn't even want to marry him in the first place. Mm. And allegedly, when Willow was, like, 11, she, like, wrote a letter asking Tupac to come back. Because she she knew that Tupac made her mom happier than Daddy. Allegedly, it's not confirmed, but wow. allegedly is it is confirmed. Yeah. Now she looks like Tupac. So, Crazy. Okay. Well, that was that. This fanfic. is this whole thing. This whole thing is just just an amazing saga on an epic scale. Uh, <laughs> there's so much that it's an onion, and you just keep pulling back layers. There's so much here, so I'm just just like an ogre. I'm glad you decided to make this the thing you wanted to go out on with the Drabble Fests. I'm glad. Well, I like. I, I'm. So, I mean, I. I'm. So, I, I just. I picked these a while ago, like I said. No, they're I amazing. Like, I mean, they're amazing. And I can't really I Yeah, I mean, I resent that. Like I want to put on a good show. Like, you know, no, these no, I, this I, is this is quality. It's not like, you know, I this, this is the greatest night in podcasting. This isn't a goof, like, you know, there's no goof. I just I had know. those first two. This third one like this might be the last travel I ever read this last one. Okay, so I'm not going to like throw it away. I, God, I hope it's about the zebra from Madagascar doing something. Okay, my my third one. Are you ready? Yep. Let's do this. This one is called The Hero Must Endure by Aglet Maybe? Aglet Baby. The Aglet Baby is in parentheses. It's both. Always, Alia sleeps quiet as a child, and yet some nights her body speaks anyways. The mind inside her mind uh, inexpertly play her vocal cords, the memories of their own moving moving it to noise-like fingers on a borrowed ballet Her mouth shapes itself wrongly around names she doesn't know, Sounds butcher themselves on her unconscious lips. Duncan spends those nights awake. His eyes that were not always his pick out details on the rough ceiling which he never would have seen before. He reminds himself that he has lived more than one life too. If a life is defined by a birth, that sometimes he speaks with a knowledge and a feeling that comes from only one of those lives. That loving Alia is something born with hate, which Duncan, ever loyal to the Atreides, and thus ever at arm's length and one step below, could barely fathom. After his reawakening, his instincts often screamed against it, as though he was facing down a sword. And yet, other instincts threw down his own weapons and welcomed the blow. Now, he loves Alia wholly, 
Even whilst her eyelids tighten and crawl as her eyes move beneath them, seeking out familiar worlds she has never known. Usually, he bears it. Warriors have always undergone trials, and this is one of his. Sometimes, Alia will forget the edges of her own lifetime and lapse into some faded legend, talking of it as though it is one they all know, as though it is a carefully kept heirloom and not a hoard long left under the ground of a more ancient planet. But even in those ancient, buried stones, the heroes must endure, bound to rocks, or pushing them, or wandering the desert. As eternal as the desert is, its tested dweller, in one of Alia's stories, or at least one of the stories that passes through Alia's mouth, a man had to tread through all hell without looking back on the beloved he knew was behind. This is the one Duncan practices most nights. No matter what alien speech comes forth in Alia's voice, he does not look back. He does not see her lip curl harshly like it has never done. He lets her sleep. He lets Duncan, who was loyal, uh, who was loyal push himself separate and stand guard against hate who loves, and as one, he pretends that his lives are enough to match her millions that they are enough to understand her and for her to understand. That endurance has a reward, one as simple as an end. Finn. That was nice. Yeah, so that's a Dune. I think that's the first Dune fic I have picked for the entire show because Dune is sacred to me and I have decided not to soil it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I kind of had to with the Drabble Fest. So this is uh, set between Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. And um, I like it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. I always think it's really interesting to see something that's written well in the world of Dune. Cause I feel like, I don't know what Brian Herbert or that other guy's writing styles are like, but Frank is a very specific like writing style. Yeah. And it's like, this is a totally different, a lot more like kind of fan, fluffy, like literary, not fluffy, you know what I mean? Like literary kind of flowy style. Yeah. Um, I always like that idea of like, um, that line, um, or that line he was talking about, like, um, the, the voices that flow from Aaliyah's mouth or like anything yeah. like he, he's like, it just kind of has that like kind of brings the character into just like the actual narration. Like you kind of mm -hmm. get their point of view, even though it's obviously third person omniscient. Like that's really cool. I, I Frank's is always just so like, bam, 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 name, yeah. place, thing, boom, boom, yeah, yeah, universe. Yeah. So it's really cool to see that kind of other perspective in this world. And I never really put it together that they would have that shared experience of having so like different occupancies mm -hmm. of a single vessel him with yeah. the gola and then her obviously with all the mm -hmm. other reverend mothers that's a that's an interesting i don't know if that's like a part of the story but that seems like an yeah. it is so it definitely becomes a bigger part later on i know you haven't read past messiah so i don't want to spoil much um but especially if you are born like alia is awakened the idea of that is and it's you know if you want to make it scientific make it scientific the idea is that the, like, genetic memories of all women in your uh, matrilineal line are there. And so you can, like, the idea is when you're an adult, you already have a consciousness. So you're you're basically speaking to them. But when you're a child and you're born, what becomes dangerous is that you you cannot speak to them. Like, you, they take over you, if that makes any sense. And so that's, like, one of the biggest fears when Alia is born. That's why they call it an abomination is because it's happened before, and that person does not become a person. They don't have the time to establish an ego, so they literally just become, like, an amalgamation of other persons. Mm. And, like, they fight with themselves, and they become terrible. And so, like, Alia, thankfully, does get to develop an ego somewhat and does get to become Alia, like, who Alia is. But there is definitely this issue, I'd say, in the third one where things go wrong. And then, yeah, with the Golas, when they get awakened, especially if they've been awakened multiple times, um, they have to deal with, like, the person they were before they were awakened uh, remembering everything that happened before they died the past time. So 
Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that either, and it's a really cool um, bit of symmetry. Right, and it would it kind of helps because I mean, it, you know, in our just the way it is read in the modern lens, it's like that relationship's a little, eh, especially when it's Jason Momoa and some. You know, yeah, you're like, eh, but that that tying them together in that way, I think is mm-hmm. is pretty cool, and it definitely comes from someone who knows you know knows the material and can draw some really cool connections. Agreed. So I like this one. I thought it was fun. I, I found a Dune one that wasn't uh, a worm, uh, you know, going up someone's asshole, and I enjoyed it. So, yeah, awesome, wonderful, loved it. Okay, let's let's see you. All right. So again, I just want to say, you know, we had our fun, but I do resent you saying I, this isn't like a it, this isn't a total. No, I was joking. Yeah, but I like, was joking. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, oh yeah, this is how you chose to spend your last drabble, like. You're right. This this is our last job. It's like, you know, we put 67 years into this, like you said. So I was totally joking. But, Don't be upset about it. I promise you. So I just, yeah, I just take, I want you to know that you know, I really appreciate our time and take it seriously. And no, I, and I, I, and, I, and I, wanna, I, I want to, I don't want to go out as just like a goof. Like I want, you know. I wasn't saying anything when I said that. I was just joking. I promise you. Okay. No, dude. Yeah. Jesus All right. Christ. I, okay. No, it's totally fine. Right. Okay. Well, you're saying okay. I don't mean okay, yeah. but okay. <laughs> yeah. So this one's called The Other Cheek. <laughs> Jesus. God damn. You didn't have to hit me so hard. You're lucky I don't sue your dumb ass. If I really wanted to, I could go for y'all's mansion in Calabasas. Hell, I could go for everything y'all have. And you wouldn't even have a pot to piss in. What do you have to say about that? Will Smith sniffled and rolled his eyes. I say go ahead and try it. Me and Jada have connections and resources you and the public couldn't even dream of. Do your worst, Chris. Chris sighed and made a face like he just sucked on a lemon. No, I don't want to. I don't need to. You've done shot your own self in the foot with your misplaced machismo. You'd be lucky if you get a job in a commercial now. Oh, but I guess you can try to make yourself out to be some kind of victim. A poor, misguided man with anger issues or some shit. You could be one of those celebrity rehab type nows. Will grinned and muttered between his teeth. Chris, if we weren't being watched so close right now, I'd slap your other cheek. I'd whoop you up one side of your head and down the other. Oh, Will, you like me. You really do like me. Look, man, I don't know about Jada's hair problem. I thought she just shaved her head as a fashion statement. I swear to God, I would never have joked that if I had known. Bullshit, Chris. You would have, too. You know it. I know it. The whole world knows it. I wish I hadn't bitch-slapped you. I should have just tackled your ass to the ground for what you said. Chris frowned and then slowly smirked. Yeah, and if you'd done that, you would have been pulled off me and escorted from the building by security, never allowed to come back. You can believe me or not. I don't care anymore. Will blinked. Now, come on, let's get this done. The world wants me to apologize to you and make a big thing out of us reconciling and all that. Will smiled shallowly and raised his voice. Sorry, brother. I overreacted. I only hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Chris nodded and smiled, a genuine smile that showed off his newly whitened teeth. Sure. Apology accepted. The end. (laughs) I like that one. Because I think one of the problems with this is I think the I don't know I don't I don't a I don't think all of Will Smith's movies should be canceled I think that's dumb you know what I mean like I think that's stupid to cancel all of his movies and all of his projects uh, I think the the two biggest things that Will did that needed to be reconciled were take the punishment by the Academy and give a sincere apology to Chris Rock and maybe he did we don't need to be privy to the apology like it doesn't have to be public he is the one that made the slap public. Therefore, it would make sense that the apology could also be public, but he doesn't have to be because he didn't slap me or you or the camera. He slapped Chris Rock. I would say um, the amount of time 
that I've lost personally. Yeah. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've faced uh, workplace discipline for the amount of time, amount of time I've lost researching and, and trying to debate this topic. He does owe yep. me an apology. You know what? I agree with that. He, he owes every single person who has cared about this an individual apology, which he should be making. Um, I didn't walk so my I dog. Like the, I, I didn't make dinner for my family. Yep. I, and I, I missed work. So he owes me an apology. Well, this was I deserve something. I am important. As we stated last episode, this was 9-11 part two. <laughs> this was one of the biggest things to literally ever happen. Change the history uh, so, of the world. This well, especially when people are like, "Yeah, you know, the slap heard around the world." Shut the fuck up! Like, and also, it's like I love, I love how, like, part of the uh, going into the the Oscars, part of the deal was that people were like, "I can't believe they're not giving President Zelensky a space to speak about the war in Ukraine at this movie award show." And then everyone gets more upset at the fucking slap than they do at anything else going on in the world. I think I can barely afford to fill up my fucking gas tank, but everyone's like. Oh my God! I can't believe he slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> I, think, like, I think they proved. I think the the Academy approved. They actually made a good decision by not letting Zelensky on because it's like imagine that impassioned, very real. He's a great leader, like an incredible speech, you know, yeah. like reaching out to people. And then two seconds later, GI Jane Part Two, psh, greatest night in television history. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of him. Literally, it would have been... Yeah, that's a good side point, by actually. Side. Like, yeah. Shout out to the Academy. You know exactly what kind of garbage you put out. <laughs> you know your material. You know your audience. You know, you're you know what you're going to get. You know your lane. Yeah. It's terrible. At least you stayed in it. It's better than the fucking Emmys. Fuck you guys. <laughs> um, and then, like, also, I just thought it was so laughable that Sean Penn was like, well, if they don't give Zelensky a platform, I'm not going. I'm gonna, I, no, oh, no. He's going to smelt his uh, his Oscar. Oh, yeah. His Oscar's when he gets back. Bro, no one fucking cares. Literally, Sean Penn. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, dude? dude? Have you seen the photos of him, like, talking to Zelensky? No. Oh, yes. Yes, I have, yeah. He's, like, in a fucking briefing room in, like, camo pants. I know, I like, li- yeah, I like how they gave him, like, the standard issue army pants and boots. It's like, yeah. bro, take those off. Dude, get your fucking 5'7 son of Sam looking head ass out of here. Whatever. Or, my name is Sam... Head ass out of here. Get like, your dude, Harvey you're not Milk doing shit. ass out of here. Get your bro. Harvey Milk ass out of here, bro. Like, you're not doing shit. Oh my god, you're raising awareness to a thing that people can't stop talking about for over a month? Fuck off. Jesus. Um, way to make it about you, Sean. Way to make it about you, dude. No one gives a shit if you smelt down your Oscars. Oh no, Sean Penn might not ever go to the Oscars again. No one's watching them. No one fucking cares. Why don't you auction off your Oscar and then donate that money to like a refugee like cause or something? No, it or you literally can smelt it. Or took you. Can smelt you it. it literally took you three seconds of brain power to come up with a solution better than his. And he should have done that anyways already. You know what they I mean? should like, all do really that cared. all the time. Everyone should always. Yeah, be literally. Doing that. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's not like, it's not like if, uh, if you win an Oscar and then you, like, auction it off and donate the money, people will come to your mansion and they're like, I don't see your Oscars. Did you even win one? And you're like, no, I swear I did. I gave it to charity. Like, everyone remembers you winning right. it. It doesn't take it away. Right. You can hold on to it for, like, a couple weeks. It's like the Stanley yeah. Cup is perfect. They pass it around. Yeah. Everybody, like, takes a leak in it and then they give it back. And it's like, okay, that, let's do it again. Let's get it again. And for, and for all of you to be so fucking pretentious about how, how you have to turn your fucking acceptance speeches into political, like, stumps. And then you're not going to do anything with it. Like you're just, oh, I'm, uh, I'm giving clout to the cause. Fuck off, Je- Jessica Chastain. Like you're, uh, like you know what I mean? It's like whatever. Like whatever. Fuck off. Um, greatest night in television history. Great. And it's all. It's also. I love the idea of like, I, I don't know. Just these people like putting on an award ceremony to pat themselves on the back, and they're like, hey, this is the greatest night in television. Best thing to happen this year. I haven't seen anything else. No. Like no one's even watching. Like the 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 ratings are so low. And, and the only interesting thing that happened was you being assaulted, Chris Rock. 
There was no, no one cared besides that. They got rid of all the awards besides six, whatever the fuck the number is. Who gives a shit? And also, I'm not being mean. Who the fuck saw any of the, the movies that were nominated for Best Picture besides Dune? I saw Nightmare Alley. I don't even know what that is. What are you talking <laughs> it's about? It's Guillermo del Toro. It's on HBO Max. I, you, you literally said I saw Nightmare Alley. You could have made up anything, and I believe that it was a Best Picture because I don't know what they are. I know I know Coda because it won, and I know Dune. I don't know the others. I don't know how many were nominated. I, like, it's just like, okay, Dude, yeah, Nightmare I, Alley. I saw Global Luba. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't see Global Gek? Are you seriously? Like... I, I saw The Woman in White, uh, directed by Stan Marsh. You haven't seen that? <laughs> you haven't seen that? Are you serious? You haven't, uh, seen, uh, uh, you haven't seen A Pig Too Far? Come on, man. That sounds that sounds like a movie that would win. It's like it's like a fucking, it's like a babe, like, tell-all. Like, like it's, it's about the, the actual pig and how he, like, did coke and shit. I don't know. Yeah, like, dude, you will never believe Nick Cage is, a, he's exactly like the pig. <laughs> Have you seen he's playing himself in a new movie? Yeah. It looks amazing. First yeah, it's probably pretty good. Yeah, whatever. Um, dude, Jared so, yeah, Leto becomes that fire hydrant. <laughs> dude, are we gonna go see Morbius? Can we see Morbius? Yeah, we have a couple Morb heads. <laughs> have you seen the people that are like, no, no, no? It's a, it's an April Fool's Day prank that uh, Morbius is bad. It's actually really good. <laughs> I gotta see it. Yeah, we should go see it. I dude, I, last night we, um, we were out, and one of my friends was like, hey, we should go see the Sonic Two, and I was like. No, we shouldn't. But then, but then I was like, actually, I'd go see Morbius right now. And they're like, why? And I was like, because I'm buzzed. That'd be fun as fuck. Let's go. I, I think the problem with Morbius is that it's not even fun when you're buzzed. Yeah, there's like, like nothing redeeming so, about like, it. Yeah. Droll, it's just so droll. It's Yeah, it's just bad. But yeah. uh, I'd, I'd watch it. Dude, movie theater near me has alcoholic slushies. Like they will literally spike your Coke slushie with Captain Morgan. On there. We'll find uh, we'll find concurrently starting uh, yeah, screenings, yeah. and then we'll just like call each other from the theater. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, no one's gonna be in there. Literally, no one's gonna be in there. We could have a whole conversation. Hey, dude, what's up? Oh, that was so sick. Yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, awesome. Look at that. It's sweet. Wow, that was wow, that was really cool. It was really cool. That's a good fact. That's a good fact. Literally, no one else will be in that movie. We, we could go seven. We could go I don't, Saturday night at seven p.m. No one's gonna be in Dead there. Dead empty. Not a single whole person. Place to it's yourself. Be empty. Literally, dude. Spread out. Who gives a shit? Did Morbius even make a million dollars? I don't think so. No one gave a shit. Like no one asked for a Morbius the Living Vampire movie, dude. That's Let's the big. See. That's the biggest part of the Spider-Man um, uh, Rogues Gallery. Oh yeah, for sure. I just I like Sony. Uh, they topped a hundred million worldwide. I don't believe that. I literally don't believe you. Uh, let's see. Oh, Morbius plunges record 83%. Yeah, we're, I believe that. We're getting to Morbius too, bro. Just get ready for it. Uh, six days ago, Morbius nabs not quite marvelous $39 million debut, according to Forbes. Mm. So it, it made 39 and they probably paid Jared Leto 100 So it's only, it's probably only, didn't even cover it. That's uh, only a little bit worse than Dune. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit worse than Dune, not much. It's so amazing to me that like Sony objectively has the richest... And most beloved property for superheroes, with the exception of maybe Batman. And they're shitting the bed so fucking hard. And they are diarrhea shitting the bed every Well, I think that's why they're shitting the bed so hard. It's because literally all you have to do is roll out the Spider-Man mask and you'll make like $100 million. Yeah, literally. And you didn't have to pair with, with Marvel. You did not have to pair with Disney. The Spider-Verse right now could be insane. Give us Miles Morales. Give us Spider-Woman. Give us Silk. Give us fucking Nick Cage. A Spider-Noir in live action. 
all that shit could be going on right now, and instead they decided to fucking pair with shit-ass Marvel, What's, and then I, do the most obvious thing they could possibly do for Spider-Man 3. I think they're they're trying to do... Um, they're trying to do what Marvel does, and that's why it's so bad. Like the, the Well, the same with DC. In, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse is Sony, but it's just doing it's totally yeah. its own thing, and it's awesome, and the second one's coming out. It's going to be amazing. fantastic. Yeah, so. I can't wait. Um, it's just when they try to play that game, they just yep. suffer. But it's just crazy how we got a Morbius, the living vampire movie... And it's just like, oh yeah, we'll never make another Superman movie. Like what? Like if you could, seriously, if you can drop Morbius, the Living Vampire, you should be crushing Superman movies like every other year. Well, and it's so frustrating because DC is like, yeah, no, we're prioritizing our uh, Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle movie. Are you fucking? Are you fucking serious? For real? For real? You can't find one actor who looks the part, is a good actor, and doesn't mind playing Superman until they're fucking dead. It's it's like a weird. Like, are you serious? It's like a weird. <laughs> It's like a weird uh, balance between it's like all you have to do is trot out Spider-Man and people are going to come see it. You literally could just – it doesn't – I think that someone made a joke about the newest Batman movie about how it's darker and grittier than ever. And they're like, studio execs are trying to condition us. Eventually, it's just going to be a black screen. And they're gonna, <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be a podcast. Gonna, yeah, I yeah, yeah, I think that was the uh, <laughs> the pitch meetings on, on YouTube. Or yeah, yeah. Um, there's that level. There's that aspect. And then there's also yeah. like, yeah, if we do Blue Beetle – we essentially get a whole new stream of revenue because nobody's buying Blue Beetle action figures right now. So even by just getting it out there, like our margin is so, you know, we can have huge margins on this. Like, No one's going to buy a Blue Beetle action figure after the movie comes out. More people nobody's gonna will care. than are buying it now. No, nobody's going to care. It's your same principle of all the people like, well, I mean, he's got Gucci, so he should be best dressed. Like, doesn't no, that's, matter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. Because it's like, do you know, do you know who the like the tertiary character is in, in the new Doctor Strange movie? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got Doctor Strange. Who jumps from realities, right? America? Nobody fucking cares about her. She's terrible. She, Objectively, one of the worst characters created in the past 10 years. She's going to be like, Doctor Strange, I've come to bargain. She's going to be the hero. I know. No, she is. They're going to give her her own fucking Disney Plus series, and they're just going to keep peddling that shit out. It's like DC. You And DC's trying to do this shit, is my point. They're trying to do the exact same shit. Nobody likes this. Like, I like it, but, I, like, what the fuck does that matter? Like, clearly nobody actually likes the shit you're putting out right now. You have to start a second Batman universe. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's like re- people uh, – we've reached this part of the of the art form or the genre because that's what it is. Superheroes yeah. are a genre. It's a genre. They're a genre. It's a genre. Right it's a genre. Where we are done with origin stories. So it's really yeah. hard to, like, bring in the Blue Beetle. Yeah. Oh, like, he's a nerd. He breaks his glasses one day. Like, that is yeah, so – played out that's like the 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 goofy rom-coms that everyone are over with like that's dead like we need Mm -hmm. to evolve to the next like we just skip that just skip right over that because it's so well that's what batman that's what batman did right that's what the new batman movie did and it was really good i didn't see one shot of pearls falling to the ground and i was like the whole time i was like if i don't see that this is a good movie yeah and technically we haven't really had that with the new spider-man True. Yeah, I was. Yeah, we don't see Uncle Ben die. He, but even then, we even don't see him get like, bit by the it's spider. Like three movies for them to say with great power comes great responsibility. So like, shout out to them. Like they, yeah, they they understood. But it's, to me, it's so it's so fucked that the way they did that. It's so fucked the way that they did that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Where he's like, my Aunt May told me. Well, it's like a, shut it's up. It's essentially what they did is they gave us like three movies of his origin in that universe. Yeah. Like of how he yeah. becomes. So they still kind but of I will got say, us. They still got us. You know. Yeah. And what I will say, and maybe this is just me doing way more thinking about it than most people, which is why most people don't like it. And it's not because people aren't thinking about it. It's just because if you have to sit there and think about it for years, then it's not good. Or it's not like something a lot of people are going to like. The argument is very clear in my mind that the Superman trilogy made by Zack Snyder was supposed to get him from where he started in Man of Steel to how we know Superman in general. 
And so, like, in the second one, in BVS, which I know everybody hates, nobody liked the idea that he was this, like, moody, brooding Superman. And it's like, well, isn't it really interesting to explore how he becomes the optimistic truth, justice, the American way? I'm always going to be on the side of justice. Like, isn't it more interesting to see him have motivation to be that way than just inherently be a good person? Because one of the big issues with making Spider or Superman that people have is that you can't relate to him. He's an alien. He's perfect. He can fly. He has a hot wife. And Lois Lane's the worst. But you get what I'm saying. And so it's like, well, now we actually had someone who tried to get us there and have us relate and have us think like, yeah, if you have the ability to do anything, is your responsibility to do everything? What does it even mean to a person, like just a, a single individual? How do they react to that? Like, and I think we kind of get that a bit in BVS, um, but people didn't care. So it's like, so what do we do? We just, we just make stories now of the characters as we know them with no stakes? Like, I don't know. Well, like, that's why I think like it has to kind of be it depends right like it depends on yeah. the character like if you know someone like superman you get caught you you like you just said like you make a trilogy of the origin like we know the origin like yeah. we have the christopher reeves movies like those are perfect yeah. like those inform those taught everybody if you need to know about superman mm. you watch those. i think it's the way to phrase it you know what i'm saying what, what 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 are you teaching someone with the movie and then what are you telling someone so with that the movie? taught Which everybody how superman is yeah but like what could have been interesting is like you take a superman and to your point, it's like, oh, like people don't like him because he's indestructible. Well, then you can go one of two ways. Like, if he's so indestructible and so powerful, then just make it the craziest, like, balls deep Will Smith and Chris Rock, like, insane effects. Like, he's doing <laughs> insane stuff, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, that's course. awesome. Like, Gemini Man, Gemini Man. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. know that um, we know that in Fast and the Furious, Vin Diesel is invincible. But we just love to see him do crazy stuff, and they still make money. So, like, you can go that route. The fact that there are... 1900 fast and the furious movies in dc still can't get their shit and together this is my that's my my subtle yeah. pitch for vin diesel to be the next superman that's just that's putting it out there dude at this point it's like who fucking cares oh you know I, my, it's, like, it's not gonna be good no one's gonna like it anyway my two choices are vin diesel number one cgi mm -hmm. paul walker number two the other thing is is you can have <laughs> this is you can have this superman who is like yep. you know whatever fully formed like you said he has his morals because yep. we saw christopher Reeve figure it all out Mm -hmm. And then, but we also saw Henry Cavill figure it all out. We we did, we did, but we didn't need to see it again. It took it took ten hours, but he got there, <laughs> and um, we just see that be tested. We're like, okay, here's a morally infallible Fair. character. Let's just see that test. Let's get right to the part we already assume that he's had perfect, but like, let's test him. Have you seen Have you seen the animated movie Superman versus the Elite? No. So it's based on a uh, story written in the early two thousands called "What's So Great About Truth, Justice, and the American Way." And it's about um, this team of superheroes led by the character Manchester Black that have this, like, interdimensional spaceship. Don't need to get too far into it. But they come to Earth, and they immediately – someone's doing something wrong. They off him. Boom. And the public turns on Superman. And they say, like, yeah, why do you keep letting these people live? They just keep coming back and terrorizing Very us. Batman Joker. Yeah. And so it's the elite um, as a team challenging the ideals of Superman. And holy fuck, give me that, dude. Because at the the end is awesome. Like the, the movie, I like the movie more than I like the comic. The comic's okay. The movie's really good. The end of the movie is just like, holy shit. There's always like, for, for some of the like really well-told Superman movies, there's always this moment where you realize that Superman 99% of the time is holding back on his strength. And he's fighting this big baddie, oh, have, and he's not holding. I have it back. seen, I have seen that when he's like chasing those guys down, and he's like explaining to yes. them how he's holding it back. I've seen those. I've yes, seen that clip is insane. It's so good, and so give us that. Give us that, like in live action. Have him like basically blow up the moon because he punched someone through it so hard. Yeah, and I'm there for it. Like that's that's that's, that's the. the 
that's the thing with Superman is you, you cannot target him physically. So you target his ideals, you target his emotions, you target his relationships. Like those are the threats that you give to him that he has to process because the, the like pre um, crisis on infinite earth Superman was like the smartest man on the planet too. And they, they nerfed him a little bit there where he's still smart, but he's not like a insane, crazy genius. Like he can still figure shit out, but he's not, you know, he's not stupid. But the, like the pre-crisis Superman was literally Superman in every single facet. I think his dick was probably nine feet. Um, and, and Chris Rock would have loved it. Okay? <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Okay. That's that – I'll just – we're way off on a tangent. We should just release this as like a separate episode. It's like 40-minute blurb. But nah, that's, whatever, fuck that's what makes DC such the biggest butt fumble ever. Is like they already yeah. made all the best movies. Just like cast real yeah. people, put Bradley yeah. Cooper in Men in Tights in the lead, and then just let him see yep. the same stuff, and you'll make so much money. Well, there was a thing that I saw. I don't. I don't know what it's from, and I'm sure other people have heard it too. But it's one, it's an analysis, and it's like Marvel is um, men trying to be gods. DC is gods trying to be men. Yeah. And I think that's the issue is that because everyone who is watching these shows are men, a.k.a. humanity, the human race, you know, not like like dudes with dicks on, or whatever. It's on, the it's on Spike is. TV, yeah. Exactly. Dudes, <laughs> Marvel's coming on right after Mansers and Thousand Ways to Die. <laughs> um, and in between, it's going to have the Girls Gone Wild commercials with the little tiny stars over the nipples. Um because everyone watching it is a human being, they can relate more to humans trying to be gods than they can for gods trying to be man or gods trying to be humans. And I think that's maybe the, the disconnect is like literally, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's it. And I, there's a lot more mythological about DC that I think is hard to adapt. And I think it takes thoughtful adaptation and thoughtful consideration to get something that is popular and meaningful and um, accessible. And I think Christopher Nolan did that well. Um, and I think the thing that maybe where Zack Snyder fumbles it is when you're doing something like that, that is big, you can't pick 14 themes. You can't pick 14 morals. You can't pick 14 lessons. You have to pick one, maybe two. And I think Chris Nolan does that really well with the, the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I think, uh, what's it? David Sandberg did that really well with Shazam. I think that's a, just a perfectly fine movie. I think it's all around solid, a lot of fun. I think James Wan, where he starts to falter a little bit with Aquaman, is that it, it feels like a movie in four acts. Yep. It feels a little too long. Like, there's a little too much there because they're trying to deal with a couple things. Yeah. If you're dealing with these big, like, mythological, like, tentpole stories that are superhero-related, you have to pick that one big impactful thing. And that's the focus of the movie, which is why I personally believe, and I know a lot of people think the, the final act um, falters a little bit. That's why I personally think Wonder Woman is, like, one of the best movies, like, period, especially in the genre. Because um, I think it, it deals with something very specific, which is, like, her understanding hope especially in the face of what was at the time the war to end all wars. Um, well, we don't really get that. I haven't seen Wonder Woman 2 because I, you know, the pandemic pushed it back and then everyone said it was ass. So I didn't want to break my reality of Wonder Woman being the best series with the second one being ass. But you get what I'm saying? Like, like you can't, you can't just put it all in. Like Zack Snyder's trying to deal with 14 different things at once and they, they get fumbled and they get misplaced. And, and then you have to watch the director's cut, which is 45 minutes longer. And then you get like an extra scene where you kind of understand it better. And like, yeah, whatever. Um, so should we just go on to the last drabble? Yeah. But there's that, that yeah, being say, uh, release the air cut of suicide squad and you'll have the greatest movie ever made. I want to see it. So fuck I'm you. Sure it's I, terrible. I'm sure it's awful. It's probably terrible. Of course I want to see it. Um, yeah, whatever. Okay. This one's called she's home by Anaconda Gaga Yance Yas. I'm glad we're both going out on a high note. That's probably the best name I've ever heard. One more for time. One more time. Right? Anaconda. Anaconda Gaga Yance Yas. Uh, I won't read you the summary. I'm just going to read you the the thing, and you're going to get what you get. 
Greece, Kosovo, Macedonia, and Serbia. These are our promised lands. But they don't understand. Dua, promise me you'll make these understand. I think it's supposed to be them. Dua thought about her father's last words to her before she sacrificed him for sales after Future Nostalgia didn't debut at number one. <laughs> she had recently learned of the history of her people and what had been stolen from them, Greater Albania. It was 28 August 2020, and Dua was upset and sitting by the window watching the rain. First, her new album, Club Future Nostalgia, was being dragged on Stan Twitter, and second, her monthly COVID denial party was canceled because Twitter was catching on to Dua's COVID denying ways in pictures of last month's party leaked. So she did what she usually does when she's upset. She did a full 180. She got out of... Do you get it? Yeah, I did a full 180. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. She got out of her chair and turned 180 degrees and made a beeline to a <laughs> secret room, only accessible by pulling a CD she knew no one would touch. Smile by Kathy Pearson. Dua could never remember her name on a CD shelf. She entered the room and looked around. Glorious, she thought. It was full of plans she made for her four invasions, part of a campaign titled Club Greater Albania. She went to the part of the room with the plans of, for her invasion of Serbia. Operation Blow Your Borders. Mwah. The Blessed Madonna remix. <laughs> She looked at a map of Serbia she had put up. The map had 10 thumbtacks on it. A white one on Belgrade, where she currently had her men spying on the government to gather information. Two on Novasid, uh, Novisad and Nice to gather further information about Serbian people and culture. Three on three towns near the border to learn even more about Serbia, but from a different perspective. And four on the border, from which the Albanian army would enter through. She contacted her spies. They also they had sufficient information to launch a strike. Okay, Serbia. Let's get physical. I wish there was like a, she had said something to the point where like, she's levitating. I thought, yeah. I thought at the end she was going to be like Dr. Doom, but Dua Lipa. Levitating, yeah. There was definitely more uh, room here for Dua Lipa song puns. Uh, but I chose this because I don't think I've said this before in this program. I love Dua Lipa. Yeah, she's great. That album is fantastic. Why are they dumping on the album? The album is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why they dunk on the album. Um, she's amazing. Saw her in concert. Really? It was fucking awesome. Yeah. Where? Yeah, I did actually. Amway. Oh, wow. That must have been great. She's all, yeah, she's, it, her tunes are fantastic. It, it, they're amazing. They were very well written. Whoever her producer is has a very good handle on pop music and what it should be and what it shouldn't be. And um, you saw that whole thing where she's they, there's some like obscure ska band from the nineties. Yeah, it's terrible. Have you heard that song? Yeah, and it's it's also yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah, it's very dangerous so, to be like yeah these three chords. It's like we own them. It's a three chords and it's a um, uh, a drum. Uh, it's a rhythm too, but um, they're not the they're not even the first people to put those things together. I actually saw someone break him down, and those are all actually derived from Rosa Parks by Outcast. By Outcast. Yeah, I saw the scene. Yep. That guy, that guy okay. did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, it's, Great job. There's a lot of people talking, like a lot of like music theory people on YouTube talking mm -hmm. about how it's like tenuous at best. And yeah, like what are the odds that Dua yeah. Lipa, when she was like five, heard this band perform? Yeah. Especially when she said, I definitely was inspired by Outcast. Right, and Outcast is not coming after her at all. These are just people no, just trying to make money. Shit. But yeah. they might win. And also, isn't it still like um, still in process the proceedings? Well, that guy was talking about on the, the video. I think we saw the same one. He was talking about how there were no music theorists that would actually go up the bat for that band, which apparently means it's a pretty weak fucking weak sauce argument. Um, I guess we'll see. I have no idea. Um, but the you know the song "Love Again." The she she has no problem crediting the people that she because she sampled the do 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 she she sampled that from an 80s song that sampled that from a 30s song oh that was i so i remember that i knew the sample from the 80s song but that's from a that's from another sample they sampled something else yeah i i actually really like the 30s song yeah. it's it's from this like uh british big band i'll tell you what it's called in one second because i i saw that she had no problem sampling it and, and and crediting the 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 people and she even said like in an interview that like it was so cool that they both took from the like that they were inspired from that 30 song and she was inspired by them and like she thought that was really neat it's called my woman by lou stone and the montior band hmm. 
and it's good. It's it's uh, it's nice. And so it's like I don't know why she'd have no problem crediting someone else and then not another band. You know what I mean? Like if she was just out here stealing songs, she wouldn't credit one band and not the other. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I mean we're both do aheads, so we we really can't yeah. we really can't make a, an argument because we're very biased. No, I will say so. The the tickets were a gift, and so when we were there, we're standing there watching. Uh, good seats, good like, seats. Were you close? It was the Amway. They were all pretty good. Yeah. Not gonna lie, but it was funny because we uh, there was one. I don't know if you know this, but like pre pandemic when she went on her first tour, the bit, biggest criticism she got is that there wasn't much of a show. Mm. She was just kind of like performing. She was just singing. She wasn't performing. Let's say that. And people were like, oh, Dua doesn't know how to dance. Dua doesn't know how to do this. And because of the extra time, she came on and she fucking killed it. Like, the, the performance itself was so good. Like, the, the concert production, everything was amazing. And, um, you know, she was she was leaning into the whole, like, female alpha thing. Like, the whole, like, I'm sexy and I know it and that's my business. You know what uh, I mean? Like she was really leaning into that. Oh, so, it was so, great. It's a, it's a great persona. So, LMFAO is going to sue her next. Hopefully, yeah. Mm. And uh, I turned and I was like, yo, how much were the tickets to be the uh, mic stand? Because she was she was up on the mic stand for sure, for nice. sure. But uh, would I take out a loan to be the mic stand for a concert? Probably. I mean, to be realistic with you, <laughs> I'm not a proud man. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, no, like no problem saying that out loud. Getting back, getting uh, back so. to the story, it makes you, 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 you. Did you read the power? You told me to read the power, right? By Naomi something, something Alderman. Alderman. No. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't read it. Yeah, this kind of like her like staging uh, her army in Eastern Europe. And, Having some sort of like political power kind of makes me think of some scenes from that book. It's interesting. Okay, you could definitely be inspired. We also maybe shouldn't dwell too far onto it because it definitely feels like it's a little too uh, real right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This was written in 2020, so it's good. They didn't know, or they did know, and that's the problem. Yeah. So did Vladimir Putin write this? What's the username? What did you know, Anna Konagaga Yanseyas? <laughs> that does sound. That does you know? sound like that's Vladimir. Yeah, that's that's uh, or it's his daughter. That's so Vlad. That's so that's Vlad. That's so Vladdy Daddy. Uh, so there we go. Drabbles, we did it. I'm proud of us. Wonderful. Um, all right. Uh, I guess this is the part of the show where I ask Ryan what he's stoked on. Oh, jeez. Um... Dang. I wasn't expecting this. Um, I'll tell you what. I've been playing a video game a lot recently called Hades. I don't know if you ever heard of that game. I've seen it on the shelves. I don't know what it's about. You can get it on. You can get it on the Switch. That's how I have it on the Switch. Switch. Yeah. Um, it's a. It's like a dungeon crawler rogue game, which usually I'm not into. It feels. It feels very arcadey, like the premise, mm. which is you are playing as the son of Hades. It's like set. There's all the characters from Greek mythology are there. It's fantastic. This came out like 2019, 2018. One game of the year. Okay. It's a great, great game. Indie game. And uh, you go from room to room. Each room has like different enemies and they are in different assortments and it's like very fast paced, a lot of action, very difficult combat. And then you're just basically trying to go as far as you can. You have one health bar. When it runs out, you die, you go back to the beginning. So in that way, Shit. it feels very arcadey, but this yeah. game has, this game is the voice acting and the music. I've been listening to the music nonstop. It's, it's awesome. It's art is incredible. And the amount of branching dialogue, because every time you die, you come back everybody's got something they got to say. Everyone's like, oh, look, who got... And they'll like, no, what creature kills you? You'll be like, oh, looks like mm -hmm. the uh, the witches got you again, huh? That must be tough. And it's like, there's so much dialogue. There's so, I've never heard the same thing twice. I've been playing it for like two, three years. It is, nice. it is, it is a game that I would not be, think I'd be interested in because I really like games with narrative and like 
you build yeah. up over time and you something like Zelda or something like that. This feels kind of arcadey and it really helps you makes you build and focus on that skill. But there's there's other ways to progress and over time it's it's a really good game and you can sit down, put five minutes into it and like you can quote unquote beat it or lose and then you just get up and go. So it's kinda of like this a good antidote to like sitting down and like, oh whoop, there went like ten hours. While well, you also yeah, can yeah, do yeah. that if you want to. Interesting. So I guess two questions on that is is every room the same? So you can like get used to, oh, I have to fight the the Minotaur in the first room and then the second room is going to have this or is it always mixed it's, up? It's randomly generated. So every room okay. you go into is randomly generated and you, you basically you complete a room and there's two doors and depending on which door, mm. you, you get to see what the reward is for going to that room. So you start okay. to try it and the rewards help you get more powerful but when you die, it all goes okay. away. So like you're building, so, it's like League of Legends where everyone starts at like zero. Yeah. I don't know if that probably, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. And then you, you level, everyone starts at zero and then by the end of the game session round, whatever, you've accumulated power-ups and extra lives and all this stuff to become. Okay. So you, that's how you progress, but it is, it's randomly generated, the enemies. Um, and I, is there an end there? Can you beat it? Um, I don't want to spoil that. I don't want to spoil that. Okay. Um, no and it has a story. It has a story. It has characters. Okay. So it does have a narrative, just not the kind that you're used right, to. Right. That's what, it's like, Got it. the premise of it, when I first thought about it, I heard about it, I was kind of hesitant, but. Having done mm-hmm. it, like, if you like that kind of stuff and you're interested in having a narrative, it's definitely there if you want it. Or you could just arcade it forever. Okay, sweet. That sounds good. Yeah. Wonderful. What about you? What are you stoked um, on? Have I mentioned Hyperion on the program? Yes. Did I mention it last week? Yes. Fuck me. Oh, well. You're stoked on the it. upcoming Apple TV Plus adaptation of Hype. I'm just kidding. I'm not... Oh, fucking kill me if they did that. Oh, no. Yo, Bradley okay, Cooper. So I... You said Bradley Cooper's going to do that. Bradley Cooper. Okay, I do remember saying this. Well, I finished the second book. It was really good, but I guess I can't be stoked on that. Um, you could be stoked on the okay. second one. You were just stoked on the first one. Well, no. And I got a thing now that I can be stoked on. Yeah, right, go for it. So for work, I've been engaging a lot with these uh, archival materials of uh, like photographic slides that my grandfather took in Vietnam. And so now I've, I've grown into a little hobby and a little collection of collecting um, slide projectors. I have officially two, so I don't know if that's a collection. Um, and I also have decided to buy, and I, I like repaired one that I bought. Um, it, it was like, you know, super expensive when it was new. Found it at Goodwill for $10. Uh, it wasn't working, but I fixed it, and now it is. And uh, you needed these like little cubes to put the, the photos in, and I bought one of those, a uh, set of those. And then I also bought an old 35 millimeter camera. Oh, nice! Um, was that like film camera? Was that expensive? Yeah. Where'd you get that? No, I actually, so I I got it on eBay. It's a little cheapy, little cheapy one because I figured I'd I'd kind of hone my skills with a cheap one first. I got a lens that was kind of cheap but kind of good. You have a nice camera, and, though, right? Um, oh yeah, I have two like you know like 4K DSLRs that I like. Like that's what I'm sky- I'm skyping you with one right now. Um, that's why my like webcam quality is supposed to hopefully look good. Well, my computer's so um, terrible that it, it looks bad. But that's just it looks my bad, I guess that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, I, yeah, I have two like really nice, like new, new cameras. But, um, one thing that I realized is like working with the projector and working with the, the old slides, like the limitation of the technology is a really cool limitation for film and a really cool limitation for capturing photos. Cause we don't have those limitations anymore with our cameras. I don't have those limitations with my DSLRs. Like it's literally just snap, snap. Okay. Like it does everything for me. It adjusts the light, it adjusts the focus. It literally does everything. The white balance. I mean, I don't, I don't, I just press a button and I go. And so I really like the idea of like having limitations and having to like be really thoughtful about the, the, the photos. I'm also the type of photographer that'll take like a hundred photos, like a hundred shots of the same thing. And, um, well, when you're working with film, you get 36 tries and then you have to switch it out and it takes time. And like, 
I like the idea of being intentional and I like the idea of working with limitation. And I like the idea of like making an item that is not uh, immediately reproducible. If that makes any sense. That's yeah. That's awesome. What do you, what do you like to photograph? What are you taking pictures of? You know, it's, it's so weird. Like because I have so few shots and because I know it like costs money to get them developed, I've been like really picky about the things that I want to take photos of. And so like, I'm telling myself, I'll actually go to uh, Sweetwater, the Sweetwater trail and like kind of focus on some stuff out there, like some nature shots and stuff, but I haven't gotten a chance to go out there and do it. It's actually been weirdly like cold and rainy here. Mm. Um, well cold for us, you know, it's in the sixties. Um, and so it's like, I'm trying to like have a little more intention with the film and, and cause it's like the film's not, a, not cheap, especially since no one uses it as much anymore. So it's not as made as often. And like, um, but then I also understand that like, if I don't use it, it'll expire in a few months, which is also weird. Like there are all these limitations to the film, um, that I like, I like the idea of working within them and finding ways to create something out of them. Cause it's, it's like, if you're trying to be creative with photography now, it's just like, well, everything is easily added to Photoshop and everything's easily like, I can put it anywhere. And like, I can literally like edit the photos from my phone. Like I can, I can take a photo with my Canon, my DSLR, bump it real quick to my phone in a highest resolution possible and then edit it on my phone. And then it's like, looks professional. And it's like, I don't know where the, I don't want to say fun, but I don't know where the difficulty is in that. There's nothing hard about doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's kind of like that art. I I know even like at a, if you go to a museum, an art museum, the photography section, you're kind of like, eh, well, it seems to have lost a luster because it's so pervasive photography. And the, and the, especially with like photography, if you're talking about like evolution of the, the, the technology, well, back, you know, back in the day, you had to have a camera, you had to make sure all of the settings on the camera were the way that you wanted them. You had to make sure the film wasn't spoiled. You had to make sure you didn't fuck up the film later on down the road when you're trying to get it developed. Then when you're developing it, especially if you're like a photographer, photographer, you have like a whole dark room and you're trying to develop it a certain way. And you're experimenting with the size of the photo paper you're putting it on. You're experimenting with the chemicals you're putting in it to expose it different ways. You're you're experimenting with the exposure length. Like there are a lot of these different steps you're taking to develop these photos where you have a lot of control over the way that they look. But also there are a lot of things that can go wrong. So the variable has increased, but so has like the type of control, if that makes any sense. And with a photo like now, like, I don't know if you know this, but like your phone takes, I think nine photos simultaneously at different, um, different levels of focus, different, um, spec, like, uh, pieces on like white balance spectrum or like focus, uh, I used to focus white balance spectrum. Uh, sometimes they'll take, uh, the, you know, how you have like three cameras on the back of your phone. It'll use all three at once. And then it'll use the information from the other two photos to inform the one that you actually wanted to take. Like that's the reason why iPhone cameras, the hardware on them has not actually developed or hasn't, hasn't really grown in the past few years, but they look better. And that's why when you like take a photo with your phone, it takes like two seconds for it to load. Cause there's actually this like proprietary algorithm that Apple has, that Google has, that Samsung has, and they're, they're taking the nine to 16, whatever the amount of photos it is that they take at once. And they're putting them into this algorithm and they're basically skewing the photo to make it look one way and then putting it into one. Mm. So you're, you are actually getting a processed image as the, the photo that you take on your phone. That's why they look so good because it took multiple photos and combined them to make it look good. It's kind of like mimicking that darkroom process that a human would go through, playing with exposure, multiple multiple yep. things, multiple images, and like it just does that in like a second because it's programmed. In a second, so. yeah. That's really and interesting. So it's like – it's more labor intensive to do it this way. It's harder to do it the you know the the old way, the old fashioned way. I guess you just but built differently. Like, 
I'm built different. I'm built. I'm just an old head. But no, like there's there's this like process of discovery when you get film back, and you're like, oh man, I hope the photos turned out well. Oh yeah, that was the best thing about disposable cameras. Yeah. as a kid, you just snap yeah. a bunch, and then you're like, damn, my finger was in all these. Like, oh, that one was really great. Yeah, that would have been a lot cooler if my finger wasn't there. And you know, I, I think um, I think working within a limit is really interesting. I don't know how fun it is for me to work out of a limit. Like mm-hmm. when I when I have a limitless like boundary. I don't know if I enjoy that as much as is if someone says, take a photo about this or like, you know, write about this thing. Um, and it has to be in this many words. Like that's, that, that's a challenge to be like, oh, well, I have to, I only have, you know, 500 words to say this, but I have 1200 words to say. It's like, what do I, what, do I, what the fuck do I cut out? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this, it's the same way with the photo. It's like, if I have a, if I have a fucking DSLR and I can switch out lenses really quick cause it's, you know, like super quick and, you know, like put a timer on that's digital and take the best photo of my asshole ever. It's like, well, what, like what fun is there in that? Um, yeah. It, as opposed to, it, it may have like, you know, yeah. it may have like, you know, hardened or kind of killed the art for the person taking the photos. But I think about like, if you had like a wedding photographer, I yeah. don't want it to be like, Hey, I only had 36 nope. photos and uh, the cake was looking great. So I, I blew my load 18 of those. On the <laughs> on cake. The cake, like, yeah. yeah. I want you to take <laughs> 9,000 photos and I want yeah. like, for the consumer, it's like everything, like the consumer benefits and then the actual mm-hmm. part of it kind of gets lost. Well, that's interesting. I had heard someone say something similar about uh, long, long exposure photography. And yeah, and, but I was that's why I was curious as to what you take photos of, because like you can't take a photo of an athlete in long exposure. You, you do like landscapes. No. This person was taking photos of like churches and cathedrals in Europe. Oh, and they're cool. like, I love that, you know, you yeah. sit there all day and you get to know the space and you catch all these like light particles and. And it's not mm-hmm. like anything you would even pick up with a just a quick photo. So that's cool. Exactly. And that's yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely something about forcing yourself to think, and like because when you create that limitation, you're thinking about how the thing isn't limited. And then when you create the limitations, you're thinking about what those limitations do to the thing you're used to doing that doesn't. If that makes any sense, that doesn't have it normally. And um, it's been productive. It's been helpful, especially with like understanding just like maybe the intentionality behind a photo or understanding. Um, Maybe not just the intentionality, but also like what you plan to do with it. Um, so it's like not even what I'm trying to say, but it's also like where I'm trying to say it. Uh, and those things are really important. And um, you know, there there are photos that I take. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, in you know try to get a, a photo of me from a trip published uh, in an academic journal or something. But I also wouldn't you know go to a family function and show them photos I took for work. If that makes any sense. So it's like there's a space, there's a time, there's an intention, um, and I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to find ways to work within that boundary. And uh, my dream is to hopefully get uh, some 35 millimeter slides so I can put them in the old slide projectors and um, feel the whole experience of taking a photo for a slide projector and then showing it to people. Mm. Um, I, I, I recently wrote something I think pretty interesting about um, building community through photographs. So we'll see. Mm. We'll see if I do anything with that. How would that work if you were going to put it in like a journal? Because that's ostensibly probably like digital, right? If you have a physical photograph, yeah, you have, would to, you scan you have it? to digitize them. Yeah, you would, that, would you lose which, which, fidelity or something, or not fidelity? No, because mean? no, because I think I think people understand the um, the medium of of transmission. You you know, I, I can't physically take photos to everybody, but, but I think they understand. What do you mean? What's what I'm saying? Like when you post in the journal, would it lose like kind of exactly how you would it digitize and lose some of the aspects that you worked to develop through the, the darkroom process, or is it capture it literally straight up one for one? I no, I, I think it would capture it. I oh. think the that would that would then go into the the difficulty of description on my end. Ah. It's like here's here is the process of this mm-hmm. and the difficulty. Okay, here is where these problems arose, and here is what this means. And I think 
that would just fall back onto me as the the writer and less so as the photographer, if that makes any sense. Well, you could take a lot of lessons from the writers of today's fanfics. I think so. Mm -hmm. I definitely think so. Uh, Particularly... um, Anaconda Daddy Vladimir Putin. Anaconda Anaconda Gaga Yonsei Yas. And their uh, impending invasion of Eastern Europe didn't age well there, Chief, but... We are. Well, wonderful. There we go. We were stoked on stuff. We did some drabbles. That was episode 67. And should we should we show our hand for what 68 and the the ones after have in store? Or is that just going to be a surprise for the listeners? Yeah, let's show our hand. Let them, let them know. Okay. So 68 is going to be our season two year-end review. And 69 is going to be pretty fucking sick, dude. <laughs> nice. 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 Uh, do I, I, I don't know. Like, do we, do we want to go full in in what 69 is or should we just say, be expecting something really cool in a year? Yeah. In two <laughs> it's years. going to take definitely a two year years. to do this. Yeah. Two or three years, something cool might come about. Some hot's um, going to drop summer of 2025. A hot steaming pile of shit is going to drop in summer of 2023 and I hope you're there for it. Is that the best way to phrase it, I guess? <laughs> it's good. Okay, wonderful. Prepare to well, receive our load in 2023. <laughs> yeah, as Chris Rock received Will Smith's, prepare to receive ours. As the load was delivered unto Chris, Chris Rock. <laughs> unto, <laughs> unto Chris Rock's rectum, <laughs> you will, shall receive ours. A hot steaming load all over your face. Um, well, wonderful. That's inappropriate. I'm glad we're not monetized because it would be demonetized. So thank you for listening. I had a good time. I hope Ryan did. And uh, we will, I don't know, get back to you whenever you're not listening anyway. So who gives a shit? I'm screaming into the void. Ryan, what should we remember? <laughs> People say, carpe diem, go out there and seize the day. Go out there and slap the day in the face. Make today the greatest day in television history. 9-11 Part 3.